It seems of all the topics that we talk about in church, the one that um, I am most want to joke about, it's probably giving. I, I, I guess I do that partly because uh, of all the topics that, that non-church people or people who are ready to leave a church point to. It usually has something to do with finances. Usually somebody will say, um, I'm not going to go to church because they're just always asking for money. That's all they want. It's just, you know, people who don't work for a living, getting rich, it, you know, don't want to be part of that. Don't want to give any of my hard-earned money to that place. <clears throat> or people leave a church like ours, and, and they will not say, I'm leaving because I'm grumpy. I'm leaving because um, my marriage is falling apart, apart and I'm ashamed of it. They won't... They won't say, I'm leaving because I, I haven't read my Bible in two months and therefore I'm a carnal carp and when I come to church I feel guilty so I'm going to quit coming. No, they'll say, I'm going to leave the church because money was spent on a stupid window and we could have been taking care of missionaries. Or maybe somebody will say, the, why are we sending money to missionaries when <coughs> anybody could see we need the money here in Fond du Lac? Money is often a, a point of contention. I don't talk about money a lot compared to some churches. I think, I think there's two kinds of churches that have to talk about money a lot. One is a church where it's pretty shallow. Uh, one man came to me that I was doing some counseling with, and he said that the church that he attended um, on, on most Sundays when he had to work um, in the greater Appleton area, he said they have three topics. They talk about give money, win souls, and... Um, get saved, and then they talk about give money, win souls, and get saved, and then they, t- they just they never got beyond that, and so that's all they talked about. And I think if a church is a shallow church, if a church is an immature church, money is going to be one of the you know, three, four subjects that they're going to talk about all the time. I think there's a second kind of church that talks about money all the time, and those are cults. Because the number one agenda, whoever it is, is, is to be wealthy, and therefore got to talk about money. And so if, whether it be on the radio or a, a live place, TV, if, if money is the primary topic again and again and again, um, don't put your hand on the radio and don't send them a check. Um, run away from that place. I, I believe that, that money ought to be reasoned. That, that there's a reason why you give and that as Christians who are mature grow up knowing those reasons you shouldn't have to talk about money all the time. Right now, when we have the first Sunday of the month and we have our Lord's table, I'm doing a series, I'm giving a series of church and, just about the church. We've talked about who is the church. It's people who are born again, who receive the word of God, who are baptized, who are fellowshipping together. We've talked about um, missions, that the church um, has a, an agenda of going and making disciples and starting churches, and that the church ought to be in charge of those missions. Um, I've chosen to put giving here, and quite frankly, as I got into it, I ended up with a part two that we're going to hear like in June. All right, so today I want to talk about principles of giving, and I have three, and if, if you've been part of this church for 15 years or more, I'm sorry, I'll just apologize right now. You're going to hear some stuff you've heard before. Because some of this stuff is of necessity repetitive. 
So what are some principles that we should have concerning giving? And the first principle I want to talk about today is the principle of first fruits. First fruits. In Exodus chapter 22, there is something from the law of Moses that said this, you shall, do not, you shall not delay, in other words, don't wait, don't, don't take your time doing this. You shall do not, not delay to offer the first of your ripe produce and your juices. The firstborn of your sons you shall give to me, likewise you shall do with your oxen and your sheep. This was part of the law of Moses. And, and my definition for first fruit giving is this, by giving our best, the first, we acknowledge that everything we are and have belongs to God. Let me say it again. By giving our best, the first, we acknowledge that everything we are and everything we have belongs to God. Before there was the Old Testament law, in the beginning, when God created, his final act of creation was a man and a woman. And he put them in the garden, and when he put them in the garden, he gave them the responsibility to care for that garden. He told them to go to work, and this garden was an awesome place. And God said, you can eat freely of everything that is in the garden. And there was all kinds of different fruit and vegetables growing in that garden. And God told Adam and Eve, you can eat all you want from everything in the garden except one tree. Just one tree. In the middle of the garden, there was a tree that they were not supposed to eat from. You know, as a kid growing up, sometimes I, I argued with God about said tree. God, why did you create that tree? And, and if you had to create that tree for some reason that's way beyond my uh, ken, then, then why did you put it right there where they could see it and it was right there in the middle of the garden? So God creates this beautiful garden. He tells Adam and Eve that they can eat anything they want from the garden except for the one tree. And of course, you know the story. Eve was deceived. Adam gave in. And they ate from that which God told them not to eat from. And there were severe consequences. There's another story. When God brought Israel to the promised land, he told them that he was going to take them to a place where they were going to eat all kinds of stuff that they had not planted. It was going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. There was going to be produce. They were going to eat from trees they hadn't planted. They were going to live in houses they had not built. They were going to drink from wells that they had not dug. They were going to have a bountiful, joyful time in that land of promise. So God brought them up to the Jordan River in a miraculous fashion. He brings them across the Jordan River. And the first place they come to is a city by the name of Jericho. And the walls of Jericho were immeasurably thick. And God told, well, um, obviously they were measurable, but they were high, thick walls. And God told them, all right, here's, here's how you're going to defeat the city of Jericho. I want you to take all the armies of Israel and I want you to march around the whole city one time saying absolutely nothing. And then I want you to go to bed. The next morning, I want you to get up and do it again. I want you to do that six days in a row. On the seventh day, I want you to get up real early. And I want you to walk seven times around the city on the seventh day. Thirteen total times. And after you've walked around the city thirteen times, I want you to shout and blow your trumpets. And I will give the city to you. Joshua and his forces did that. And the walls imploded. 
the walls completely came down and how it happened, I do not know, but God miraculously destroyed those impenetrable walls in that day of Jericho and the children of Israel went running in and they were given instructions in this city and only in this city that they were to kill every human being in the city and they were to kill every animal, every cattle, every dog, every chicken, everything. And they were to burn all the houses. They were to burn all the clothes. And any gold, silver, brass, iron that they found, they were supposed to bring to the tabernacle. You remember what happened. One guy goes in there, his name's Achan, and he sees gold and silver in a tent house. And he sees this really cool garment, name brand. And he takes them back to his tent and he buries them. And God curses Israel so that the next time they go to battle, 36 men die. And they bring all Israel together and God points his finger right at Achan. Says, that's a guy. And when Achan is punished, they not only <laughs> took his gold and silver away from him, but they stoned him and his wife and his kids, his dog and his cat, his cattle, everything. They stoned it all, they put it in one gigantic pile, and then they burned it all and buried it. Kind of radical for stealing from some gold and silver that, that God had promised them everything was theirs. Why this city? Why in these two cases did God say, you can have it all except this? This one's mine. You see, when God said to Adam and Eve in the garden, this tree is my tree, what he's really saying is, I own everything. It's all mine. Everything that you see, every blade of grass you step on is mine. And you're going to prove to me that you understand that I am God of everything by not eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as the children of Israel going into the land that was God's land, God had promised them this land, God had given them this land, as they went into that land and God told them, you're going to have all the produce you want, you're going to eat stuff that other people plant, you're going to enjoy their homes, everything in the whole land of Canaan is yours, except one place. God didn't need the gold and silver from Jericho. Moses had had to tell the children of Israel to stop bringing their money for the building of the tabernacle. The tabernacle didn't need any money. So Why? So the children of Israel will remember that God had the right to say it was his. To say that it was his. And when we give our first fruits, when we give to the Lord before we pay our bills, when we give to the Lord the best, the first of our life, the priority, the first day of the week, when we give to the Lord according as he's given us, what we are really acknowledging is this life is not my life. Did you create yourself? <laughs> did, 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 did you make yourself grow to who you are? Did, did you, did, do you have the ability to guarantee yourself tomorrow morning? No. Where did all that come from? God. And when you give of your time and your money, your first, back to God, what you're really saying is, that you're not an atheist. What you're really saying is that you get it, that it's not your life, 
that it doesn't belong to you. What? Don't you know? Don't you understand that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your life, which are the Lord's. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20, leads paraphrase. We don't belong to us. And by giving first fruits, by giving of what God has given to me, what I do is demonstrate that I believe God. What are reasons people give for not giving to the Lord? We can't afford it. Or the church doesn't need it. Or the church won't use it <laughs> good anyway. Uh, you know, this is a different day and time. We, you know, that's, that's old stuff. Uncle Sam takes the first fruits, and so I, I can't. What God saw not giving as, in the case of Adam and Eve, was rebellion. When I reserve the right to make the final decision in my life, I am declaring myself to be a deity. Reserving the right to make the final decision is rebellion. That's true if it's a three-year-old that tells you no when you say, come here. And it's true of you and your finances, day by day, week by week. Principles of Christian giving, number one, the first fruits. By giving our best, the first, we acknowledge that everything we are and have belongs to God. Number two, the principle of stewardship. Principle of stewardship says this, by giving proportionately. In other words, if you uh, have a lot, you should give a lot. By giving proportionately, I acknowledge that I am responsible for every opportunity I've been given. His mother died when he was a baby. Actually, he was just a, 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 a preschooler, a young child. His father spoiled him. His brothers hated him. He truly came from a dysfunctional family. Because of his brother's extreme hate for him, as a teenager, he was kidnapped and sold to a wealthy Egyptian. Joseph had a right to be angry, wouldn't you say? We find Joseph serving the Lord, and in Genesis chapter 39, he is the chief steward of a wealthy man's home. In fact, he will say, everything my master have is under my authority. I can do what I want to with any of it. And he says that in reply to his master's wife, who is attempting to seduce him. He denied that opportunity because he said, it's not mine to do that with. I, I can't do what I want with you because the, I'm responsible for everything in this house. A steward is a trusted servant. A steward does that which is right in the eyes of his master. If I am a steward of the money that God has given me, then I have a responsibility to take care of every opportunity that comes my way. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, I read this. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a one be found faithful. Paul says there, I was given the gospel and I don't have any choice but give it out. I have, I have no choice but live my life according to what I've been given. Luke 2, 48, Jesus said this, For everyone to whom much is given from him, much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. A steward has been given authority to make decisions for the master with what he's been given. Have you been given a marriage? Then take care of it. 
Have you been given children? Then you have a responsibility to rear those children in a godly manner. Have you been given a, a job? Then work is unto the Lord. Have you been given resources, money? Have you been given grace as these things come to you from God? What are you doing with them? An old story that I like to tell is of a farmer. Preacher's there to see him and the farmer's talking to the preacher. And he says, you know, preacher, I, I understand the needs of our church. You know, if I had 100 sheep, I'd give 50 of them to the church. The preacher acknowledged that the farmer wanted to be generous and the preacher said to the farmer, well, let me ask you something. What would you do if you had two pigs? And the farmer turned to the preacher and said, now, preacher, you know I have two pigs. You see, it's not a matter of how much do you have. It's a matter of how much have you been given. Have you been given grace? Have you been given ability? Have you been given opportunity? Have you been given? I'm not asking how much is in your checkbook. I'm asking how much were you given? How much money did you get opportunity with? You see, all these things, grace, salvation, our finances are all from God, and as a steward of God, I have the responsibility of taking care of what I've been given and of giving it back or, or doing what the master would have me to do with it. What if you were uh, online and you saw a job-wanted ad? It said, wanted, steward for the world's wealthiest family. Would you apply? Just think. <laughs> oh, yes, it would be an awesome responsibility, but think of all the privileges that would go with that awesome responsibility. While handling all that wealth, handling all the... That, that, well, there's inevitably, you'd get to enjoy some of the benefits. If you are God's child, you are a steward of the wealthiest family in the world. You are a steward of God, and he owns everything. And so you are his steward. You have the responsibility, the awesome job of taking care of everything that God puts in your path. Principles of Christian giving, one, the, the principle of the first fruits. By giving the, our best, the first, we acknowledge that everything we are and have belongs to God. Number two, stewardship. By giving proportionately, I acknowledge that I am responsible for every opportunity I've been given. Number three, the principle of grace. By freely and abundantly giving as I have received, I reflect God's gifting to me. Grace is one of those churchy words that, you know, they, what's grace? Well, a, a simple acrostic is God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Jesus paid the bill and I get the benefit. Everything that God owns comes to me. Through Jesus Christ, God's riches at Christ's expense. So what does that have to do with salvation? If, if you were paying attention while Joe was reading the text this morning, that Paul was talking about grace that the Corinthians should have for the church in Jerusalem. You see, the church in Jerusalem from them, and they were a persecuted church, the church in Jerusalem was flat broke, they didn't have jobs, that it was a depressed economy because of the Romans were persecuting the Jews. And then the Jews were per persecuting those Jews who had become Christians. And so getting a job, if you were part of the, 
the church in Jerusalem was like, you know, good luck, buddy. And, and that church had, had tried a form of communism that pff, it didn't work. And the truth of the matter is there were just more and more people that were going hungry in Jerusalem. And yet from Jerusalem and from those apostles had come the very gospel that the Macedonians, the people in Philippi and Corinth and Achaia, that Paul went and took the gospel to, the very gospel they had was because of that church in Jerusalem and what, had been, what, what they had, had learned from them, from James and the other apostles. And so Paul went to the, the, the other churches, and now he's writing to the Corinthians, and he says, listen, you've been given grace. God has given you salvation. And as a reflection of what you've been given, you should give accordingly. If you've been given much, you should give accordingly. And so the grace of God should make us to give generously. Your kid comes to you. There's an, an activity coming up, something they want to do. They have no cash. You reach into your wallet and you enable them to go. You give them what they need. You provide a means for them to do what they could not do without your help. So we come to God. And we have this sin debt. We have this massive problem. We are incapable of pleasing God. We are damned to go to hell forever because of the sin debt we have. And God, through his son Jesus Christ, has graced us. He has given us. He has enabled us to do what without him we could not do. That is grace. I have an opportunity to go to heaven because of God's gifting to me the righteousness of Jesus Christ if I will accept that by faith. So I have freely and abundantly been enabled. That's grace. And what am I going to do in response to God's gifting to me? We are channels. We are conduits. God has graced us so that we can grace someone else, so we can give to a gift to someone else. In Israel, there's a place called the Dead Sea. You know why it's a Dead Sea? Because there's no outlet. The uh, springs and the rivers that feed into the Dead Sea from the Golan Heights and from the Sea of Galilee region, all the things that go in there, about half of the springs in that area are, 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 are terrible springs. They're so full of chemicals and all kinds of acids that the water is just downright contaminated. So what the Israelis have done today is they've taken all the freshwater stuff that's good and they funnel it into the, the, the Sea of Galilee and then they use it for, as, as their one gigantic water tower. And all the stuff that's contaminated, it goes into the Dead Sea and there it evaporates and there's no exit, there's no out of the Dead Sea. And so there's less and less water as Israel and Jordan use the water that's there. There's less and less water going into the Dead Sea and the concentration level keeps going up. I think when I first went to Israel, the uh, parts uh, per whatever, it was like 14%. And, and now, last I read, it's like 26% solids in the Sea of Galilee, in the, in the Dead Sea rather. 26% solids. I mean, nothing, absolutely nothing lives there. Why? Because of all the stuff it takes in and nothing's leaving. And so if you, as, as a Christian, you take in and you take in and you take in, inevitably there's going to be some bitterness. Inever, inevitably there's going to be some frustration with life. Inevitably there's going to, yes, God's going to grace you and yes, you have a lot of good things. But may I propose to you that if there's no outgo from you, that if you're not moving that grace through you to someone else, that you will become dead. Oh, you, you may still be saved, but your life will be dead because you're not giving what God has given to you. You're not a channel. The first fruits, 
by acknowledging that, that everything I have is God's, I give back to him. A stewardship, I have a responsibility with everything I have. Grace, I have been given so much. You say, Pastor Leeds, this is a communion service and you're talking about money. You know what? Um, God gave us his son. And yes, we as a church observe this Lord's table as a reflection, as a memorial of our understanding of what Jesus did for us. And I think that our worship, you know, I, as, I grew up um, in, a, in a parsonage, as you know. And so for me, the church offering has always been a little bit of a personal thing. You know, people don't give. Pastor doesn't get a raise. Pastors might not get paid. And so, you know, ever since I was a kid, did we, did we make budget? And, and you know, lately, um, our church, I don't know if you look in the back page, but we haven't been making budget a whole lot in the last, like, four or five months. And so, do I take it personally? Yeah, I do. But uh, that's not why I'm preaching the sermon today, though. I'm preaching this because you, this church, has taught me in our men's meetings, in our ministry committee meetings, this church has taught me by its practice and giving that, that it, it, it's not about whether or not we make budget. It's really not. It's not about whether or not the pastors get raises. It's not about whether or not we um, have you know, things paid for. What it's about is worship. You've taught me that. It's about obedience. It's about whether or not I agree with the church. Whether or not I I am happy with everything in my life. If God is God, then I have a certain obligation that comes along with that. In my marriage, with my child rearing, and yes, in my checkbook and in my time, that if God is my God, if he is my Lord, if he's in charge, then there are things that belong to him. Unless I be like Achan or Adam and begin to practice atheism. If you know that God is God, but you don't give anything back to him, my friend, you're, you're no better than an atheist. For what you're living is unbelief. You say, well, pastor... <laughs> We can't afford to give. You're living in unbelief. I'm not saying be foolish. I've never said, you give the first 25% of your money to Trinity Baptist Church and you will be a wealthy person. You'll never hear that here because that's... And anybody who says that in a ministry, run. Run from that ministry. It's bogus. It's stupid. It's crazy, okay? It's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible does teach that you're not yours. You don't belong to you. Your money doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. And you have a holy obligation to use it for his glory and worship in him. And part of that, I believe, is giving a portion of that back to the church to which he's called you. God's brought us together as a family that we might reflect the person, the body of Christ, here in Fond du Lac, in this church. And yes, that includes our money. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that that your word has all the truth that we need that we might live a life pleasing to you. And I pray, O Father, that we would be good stewards, that we would be first fruit responders, that 
that we would exemplify the grace that you've extended to us. Yes, in our kindness to each other. Yes, in our patience and forgiveness. Yes, in what we put in the offering plate. That all these things might be reflective of your glory and your goodness to us. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.